Hi, I'm here today on this podcast series, Stories of Hope, with Sinichi Sonora. Sonora, sir. Who is General Manager of Sustainable Business Promotions Office in Mizuho Bank. And we're in Tokyo. And we're talking about transitions. We're talking about transitions of Japanese economy and society, of transitions for Mizuho as one of the world's largest bank, and of course a central part of the development of Japan for the last 100 plus years in the future. And also I want to touch on the transition in Sinichi's own life. So a little bit of my, my background, I joined this Mizuho bank, uh, that's 1995, so almost 30 years ago. So basically I started my career uh, in the banking business. I was doing that you know, really typical you know, conventional you know, uh, commercial banking business for 15 years. Now I assumed this you know, uh, position as a head of sustainable business promotion for the Mizo Financial Group as a whole uh, three years ago. But uh, before that, about 10 years, I was belonging to the one of the team called uh, Industry Research Department. Now, industry research department, yes, it literally do the research on the industry, but uh, I would say that's about 50% of the mission of the department. Other half is about kind of a strategic consultancy to our you know, banking clients. Now, my mission was effectively uh, promote the alliance between the Japanese industries and the overseas industries. So past, so it was about 2010 to 2020 effectively, 10 years. I was traveling between Japan and uh, all of the ASEAN region to try to kind of promote uh, how you could you know, uh, establish a kind of uh, complementary relationship, if you like, between our Japanese clients and uh, clients in ASEAN regions. Now, kind of agenda or the theme of the alliance really varies, but I would say towards like the middle of 2010, the onwards, you know, uh, about climate change, you know, decarbonization was becoming the uh, most, you know, uh, the biggest agenda of my work. So how to, you know, tackle the, the, the electrification of the vehicle, for instance. Obviously, the one of the biggest industries in the ASEAN region is automobile. And the Japanese industries are very active there. So, you know, there was a trend, you know, uh, everything is trying to uh, electrify. One of the, uh, the mission was the, what is the implication for that? What is a kind of win-win situation between the Japanese and the ASEAN region in terms of electrification of the vehicle. How to promote the uh, energy industries? Obviously, the coal fire plant was becoming controversial. So what is the alternative? It's gonna be natural gas, renewables. You're gonna have to kind of enhance the grid in first place and so on. That kind of one of the, uh, the thing. And all other things like uh, circular economy, you know. <coughs> The petrochemical is one of the biggest, you know, industries in the region as well. So again, how to kind of, uh, you know, utilize Japanese, you know, uh, <coughs> technology to, you know, enhance the, uh, you know, uh, added value 
you know, chemical products in region. So that's kind of thing that we have. So and, and while coal was beginning to be understood as not a good idea, right. our, our understanding of what else we need to do across the industrial value chain was still weak at that point, wasn't it? So again, the strategic dis discussion really kind of start whether it is appropriate to turn into uh, EV rather than conventional, you know, uh, <coughs> the, the gasoline engine type. And if that's the case, when was the appropriate time? Because, you know, the auto, one of the characteristics of automobile is this, this broad supply chain that's already established. So it's not <coughs> only about like an environmental, you know, issues, but you're going to have to really, you know, maintain the, uh, the promotion of the industry as a whole. So that's a kind of tricky thing with automobile. So you're going to have to kind of really kind of dis you know, uh, think about what is appropriate, you know, a strategy, especially uh, the timing wise, when you should kind of, uh, you know, start transi transition. You know, you can say the same to the chemical as well. I mean, <coughs> for instance, Thailand is one of the advanced country uh, for the kind of circular economy or the de-plastic, you know, policies. Uh, not only the you know uh, the decarbonization aspect, but because of the you know because one one of the, the biggest you know industry the tourism, and you know waste plastic was becoming the one of the issue. So you know it was make it, I think it was really makes sense for the Thailand government to promote the, like a circular economy or the de-plastic you know policies because it was becoming a you know big you know, really <coughs> big issues there. Again you know um, again. It, we're turning that you know uh, petrol-based you know chemical product into the you know automated materials. Obviously, you're gonna have to you know think about what will be the cost, right? And again, the timing. You know, people knows that you know uh, they're gonna have to be. Uh, the <coughs> there should be a tra transition at some sort of time, but if you kind of uh, doing the right you know, wrong timing. Obviously, uh, you have you know, you have a problem. And a lot of this is like in plastics in Thailand is mm -hmm. regulatory to drive it. So how how influential was Mizuho or you at Mizuho in terms of trying to craft solutions? I'm curious. You're an international bank, right. not a domestic bank. Right. You've got a a government that's trying to think about policy settings that'll support the tourism industry, putting aside any environmental considerations. What was your role and how did you get involved? Well, again, you know, uh, I'm not sure how influential was our bank or myself, my activities, but I think one of the things that really, you know, influential was the, uh, the capacity of the Japanese industry as a whole. So in the chemical sectors, you know, uh, still the technology in the, you know, uh, something called functional chemicals. How do you add it, you know, uh, chemical kind of products? So you had to ch channel <coughs> Japanese industrial right, solutions. Right. Yeah. So I think one of the things maybe we could, <coughs> we contributed was how to kind of, uh, you know, uh, to match the Japanese technologies yeah. or Japanese business that might contribute 
to you know uh, the ASEAN regions, you know uh, the business and the kind of that kind of you know the bridge between. I think that was something that we thought we could have a value to the ASEAN region and also vice versa to Japanese industry as well. And this is one of the special things about Mizuho Bank because you've got this very close working relationship with Japanese industry, intimate working relationship. Yeah, exactly. So one of the characteristic or the uniqueness of the Japanese, uh, so the, the, the Mizuho, is that uh, because of the historical uh, background, we have this extensive you know, uh, relationship, especially with the heavy industries in the Japanese industry. We've been here for more than 100 years now. Our origin is the bank established for promoting or establishing the Japanese industry from scratch. And therefore, you know, uh, all the heavy industry, heavy industries, like a starting like power, steel, chemical, and so on, in other words, all the you know hard to obey industries, our is our you know uh, important customers, especially in Japanese market. So that that's the kind of one of our you know characteristics. So we do have an advantage in that we have this extensive network among the Japanese industry. You know, simply to put, uh, we know them very well. We know them. We know most of them very well. And it turned out to be that could be <coughs> that could be the one of the you know uh, the value to you know our activities in the ASEAN regions or our clients in the ASEAN regions. But Shinichi, this is the starting point. Sure. But you went a lot further when you were there, right? I mean, my understanding is that you ended up getting a, a strong vision about what could happen. Have I got that right? Tell me, tell me how the job went and how the relationship went while you were in, in Asia. Where did you end up before you returned to Japan in terms of your um, the engagement with this topic and climate change? All right. So I so I returned to Tokyo uh, just just when the COVID nineteen started. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, you know uh, around like uh, early two thousand twenty, right? So I think what what we have what we have done is that so toward the end of the 2020, you know, the our biggest agenda we you know frequently discuss with the customer is uh, you know EV, uh, de-plastic, and uh, the natural gas as a power source. Those are the three most area that we thought the Japanese industry. Have is influential, or could add the value to ASEAN industry, and vice versa. Uh, those are the three, you know, uh, idea we thought uh, is the biggest biggest agenda for the most of the ASEAN industries in ASEAN regions. So we had a frankly discussion with the, you know, uh, the the main players in local, whether it's uh, you know the government, state-owned, or the private sectors, about how, how they can kind of promote or how they can kind of enhance their strategy, you know, 
taking account uh, if they could kind of uh, make some sort of alliance with the Japanese industry, which means uh, our clients in Japan. And you came back to Japan for a new job and a, and a new role, putting aside what happened in COVID, and that's a story in its own right. You got involved in crafting um, a transition strategy, right? Which was, which was in sync with the changes happening at the government level, like we saw during COVID. The prime minister announced strong twenty thirty targets. Sure. So this is quite a change sure. in Japan, including in the kind of investment. In you know, we've seen Japan stop pro, um, providing credit support to coal-fired power stations, mm, mm, mm. which was a long and arduous discussion, but then the government bit the bullet mm, and did mm, it. Mm. Um, we've still got some challenges because it's tough for industry to shift to low carbon adequately, mm. but the journey's underway, right? It's a uh, Obviously, way. yes, yes. And how far do you think you've gone with industry? I mean, things seem to have changed a lot in the last three years. Is that a reasonable thing to say? In Japan and in the work you're doing of industry, so I think when when I assume my current job, which is uh, from 2020 to kind of promote this so-called sustainable business, you know, uh, well, when I say sustainable, it's, it's all about climate change, frankly speaking. So uh, you know, how we can contribute to you know our clients or the Japanese industry as a whole, or just uh, in this you know climate change agenda. I think three years ago, to be frank, I think most of the most of the clients or Japanese industry were still skeptical whether this climate change was real, and it's kind of started. I think the momentum really started change when the uh, the EU has announced the Green Deal. But again, by that time, I think the Japanese industry as a whole was skeptical whether that's gonna be uh, cause a real change in the industry structures. That's a really important message to the European Union. It <laughs> 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 had an impact outside the shores of Europe. <laughs> but ever since the you know, Green Deal announced, we saw the change in the momentum. On a global basis, most of the industry leader, uh, leaders started to, you know, consider that, you know, uh, the climate change or environmental issue is the uh, biggest agenda uh, for the whole human society. And also, the um, another thing was the kind of drivers, I would say, by the investors. Uh, kind of you know disclosure requirement. As yeah. you know, Japanese industry, uh, in terms of the uh, number of the company, the TCFD. I think with Japanese, uh, I think ja Japanese participants is the uh, the most. Not the most. I mean the uh, biggest percentage. The, the, the biggest percentage. Yeah, and I, right. I know the regulator here, JFSA, is very proud that Japan was the first country sure. in the world to promote TCFD. Sure. Uh, admittedly, initially sure. voluntary um, disclosure, which sure. is fantastic. So it's worked, and that was another driver. So since Green Deal, you know, uh, we were noticing that you know momentum has been gradually changing. Mm -hmm. The turning point 
was the you know announcement of the 46 percent you know reduction by 2030 or the you know uh, carbon neutral statement by the administration then back in 2021. I mean that was a bit of a shock for industry I think wasn't it? Surely. Well I guess tough. for the most of the you know uh, the company who was skeptical I think it was you know shocking you know 46 percent is a very ambitious target. But I guess, you know, uh, what is important thing is the government has officially announced mm -hmm. the 2050 carbon neutral is the strategy of the, uh, for the Japanese, you know, industries. So I think that was a really kind of turning point of the uh, Japanese you know, industry at home. And I'm acutely aware that the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry has been working on mm. transition roadmaps mm. to mm. get to the 2030 sure. Sure. and then 2050 targets. Mm. To what extent has industry been using the METI, as the ministry is called, right. roadmaps as guidance, mm -hmm. or has dived into it themselves? And what's the interplay there? Because METI tends to adopt, as, in, as it has historically in Japan, a consensus view of what's going to be possible. Is it ambitious enough? Are the roadmaps been driving things or the roadmaps following what industry says it can do? Well, I guess one of the uh, success by the Japanese governments, you know, industry policy-wise, was to coming up with the transition finance framework. Yep. Which was in was it March 2021. That was great. We, we, I was actively supporting it. It's a good statement of principles. One of the uh, core, you know, uh, the strategy of the green growth strategy that was announced by the Japanese government. And for our listeners, a key point about that mm. was a commitment to 1.5 degree scenarios, right. which has now been adopted formally by the G20 at the last mm -hmm. meeting mm -hmm. as a key target. Because there's been a lot of debate about two degrees versus 1.5. Our scientists are selling 1.5. METI was one of the earliest adopters mm. of the 1.5 degree centigrade principle, right. which is now the norm. So, what 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 Japanese you know uh, what government has done is that they set that this transition finance framework as one of the core you know policy tool of that so-called green growth strategy. First of all, they came up with the uh, Japanese version of the transition finance handbook. Obviously, the you know uh, global version was uh, you know announced by ICMA. Uh, that's two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. In December. But uh, subsequently, um, <clears throat> the Japanese version of it was you know uh, established or announced by not the industry, the financial industry, but the Japanese government itself. It was a kind of joint effort by the uh, METI, the Ministry of Environment and uh, FSA, JFSA. The biggest difference with the ICMA version or the Japanese version is the Japanese version specifically referred to the something called technology roadmap yep. as a science-based target. Well, science-based, science-based, I forgot the word. No, no, but that was actually yeah. really important point of that, that it was science-based, right. which has been a departure because the national climate change plans are not a, a half and half. Mm -hmm. They're based mm -hmm. on 
what policy can do, and so on. This was a, this was very clearly, very directly science-based, and that's right. an important framework. And I think it's in line with the ECMO version as well, because the ECMO version does, you know, uh, point out that you know trajectory really, you know, differs by the regions, mm. and the region may have their own, you know, uh, science base and so on. So I, I think accordingly, Japanese government came up with their own, you know, uh, handbook which referred to something called technology roadmap. Now the and the following that <coughs> the Japanese government has announced technology map for seven you know heart of bay sectors. It was I think it was the first one was steel, followed by the power, gas, and so on. Now we have seven of them, and it, and they're trying to come up with one for the uh, automobile sector as well. So if that happens, it's going to be eight. Now, the biggest characteristic of the you know technology roadmap is it basically shows you you know uh, the milestone up up, <coughs> up until two thousand fifty mm -hmm. for the each sector, you know, technology wise. So basically, it tells you by 2030, you're going to have to adapt that technology. By 2040, you're going to have to commercial. Well, it's not compulsory, but it suggests yeah. you should you know, adopt, uh, commercialize that technology and so on. And that's kind of, a, uh, I understand that there's a kind of fundamental you know, difference in the strategy or the philosophy for, uh, let's say, EU taxonomy. And I understand uh, up until now, I think the Japanese, Japan is the only country to come up that kind of a uh, technology milestone for the each sector in a very specific way. I, I think that's absolutely true. It, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, fair credit for the European taxonomy. There was a third of the taxonomy is devoted mm -hmm. to transitions. Mm -hmm. And there are trajectories of change. Uh, so there's a clear incentivizing of um, uh, transition pathways, but what media has done, yes, has gone an absolutely a, a big step further sure. and turned it into technology milestones and so on, which is really useful. Is it ambitious enough? I mean, it's fantastic, but is it ambitious enough? I mean, we still have quite a lot of gas in there. We're discovering that the leakage rates and methane distribution are way higher, so therefore we have to rethink the the application of gas and how important it is because of these. So. I'm, I'm looking at these, I'm thinking, great start, we're going to keep working on it. Is that a fair comment? It is ambitious enough, well, it's an ambitious milestone in a way that uh, basically it takes into account the technology that's yet to be proven. Right. So, for instance, power sectors, you do take into account the uh, you know, commercialization the hydrogen-based power. Yeah, I think it was about 2014. Again, that basically represents that kind of very difficult position of the Japanese industry as well, because uh, it's really difficult for Japan to kind of mainly rely on the renewables to turn our you know our power sources clean. Uh, because of the you know our geographic reason mainly. You're gonna have to rely on the you know unproven technologies that 
you know, uh, we're, not, we're not talking about rocket science here, mm. are we? I mean, in the hydrogen sector, whilst we haven't proven the cost that we need to get to to make it sure. widely spread, sure. you know, we have major heavy industry companies in Japan already providing mm -hmm. the toolkits, the distribution, the generation, the electrolyzers. So we're actually there. Right. It's it's the rolling out at scale. It's the next mm -hmm. issue. So mm -hmm. we can get that price down. Mm -hmm. So it's competitive for the steel sure, industry sure, or the sure, chemical sure. industry. Sure. So so it's not invention here. It's development and and application. That's uh, obviously I'm not a technology expert. <laughs> but uh, my understanding is that it's not when I say, when I say you know uh, technology you know uh, technologically unproven, meaning that. You know, uh, the technology is not sophisticated yet to commercialize yeah, or okay. scaling up, as you Fair said. Point. Right? Because R&D, you know, uh, basis, I think everyone is trying, you know, all sort of things. Right? Mm -hmm. But again, you know, my understanding is difficulty really lies on how to scale that up and how to commercialize it and make it financially feasible. Right? And again, and that really involved the kind of you know, how to procure the reasonable, you know, amount of the uh, hydrogen in a reasonable prices. Yeah, that's, that the, that's the big, big and that's the biggest mm -hmm. issue for the Japan as well. Cause in, at the end of the day, all the natural resources, whether well, it's natural or you know artificial, we're going to have to import from somewhere anyway. Yeah. Translate into your lending programs. I'm curious. You know, you you've got this intimate lending relationship right. with all these companies. Well, one of the success was to that, so technology roadmap was announced. And in the Jap, so in Japanese industry term, you know, uh, labeling yourself as a transitional finance, your financing, means that you are complying with that technology roadmap the Japanese government has announced. So another way to put it is that, you know, uh, Applying for the you know, uh, the transition finance for the Japanese company is get the authorization that you your you know business strategy or decarbonization strategy is in line with the Japanese government strategy. Got it. So I understand that is the biggest motivation for the Japanese company to you know apply for the transition finance. And I think that's pretty much unique compared to the you know, other regions. No, that's true. Good point. Is there a scope for transition bonds? You've seen a few, because uh, this is my area, of course, is in the bond market. We've seen a few transition bonds, all of which at Climate Bonds we've judged to be consistent with climate change goals mm -hmm. and included as green. Mm -hmm. Is that likely to grow or is, is this, this story going to stay as a direct lending, corporate lending story, which is the bulk of your business, these companies. In, in other words, are we going to have more opportunities for private investors to participate? Well, I think that you know, transition finance is surely getting the momentum in the certain industries in Japan. When I say certain industry, is that where the roadmap has already announced. So those seven sectors, shipping, you know, the ideas or the, you know, uh, the airlines, where they only ha already have the roadmap or the, for the industry-wise. Because, because what's happening here is that, you know, um, 
Transitional finance from investors' perspective is now used as a sort of like a, a negative sc screening, meaning that you know um, th there's kind of a you know growing kind of momentum or sentiment that if you cannot apply for the transitional finance, maybe you have some problem. <laughs> with, you know, uh, adjusting your business plan. Yeah, yes. Is what the Japanese government has announced that should be the way. So it turned out to be, my understanding is, if not all, most of the, you know, uh, major heavy, you know, ma major players in the heavy industry has at least, you know, uh, considered applying for the transitional finance. For our listeners, I think mm. that's a really important message mm. that we're now seeing an expectation that people would find a way to align. Mm. And if you're not aligning, it's a question mark. What's going on here? Now, I, I got a parallel of a Swedish investor who said to me sure. recently that in Sweden, if someone issues a bond and they haven't issued a green one, mm -hmm. the first question they're asked is, is there something we need to know? Are you, are you, are you not doing something green? So on. So it's it's a similar it's a parallel right, here. Right, right, right. Uh, which is a, a, a peer driver for, for change, which is very exciting. This fills me with hope, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's the nature of the dynamics for change that we're looking for here, right? This is, so this is, it's happening. And in terms of your business, how do you in Mizuho track the engagement with this change? I mean, do you have, do you tag loans that qualify with the government's transition? I mean, what, what are the metrics you're developing internally? The first of all, um, as I said before, one of the characteristics is that one of the, you know, our mission uh, historically is how to promote the Japanese industries. really emphasize on having a strategic dialogue with the, uh, our Japanese clients especially. Around two years ago, you know, momentum has really changed. We have climate change. That said, you know, if I think about it, we've been speaking about the de you know strategy, including the decarbonization, more than ten uh, for more than ten years now mm -hmm. for some industries. For instance, like automobile sectors, electrification, you know, debate really started more than ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Transiting gradually to coal firing, to you know gas or eventually the other clean sources or renewables, again, that, you know, this country has been there for more than 10 years. Now, so first of all, as a basis, we have this extensive, you know, or continuous, you know, uh, discussion, strategic discussion with the Japanese clients, especially uh, on the business strategy, including the decarbonizations. And effectively, we are just doing the same or continue to do the same uh, in this, you know, uh, kind of climate change agenda as well. We don't have a much kind of a sense of doing something special or kind of kind of changed, you know, our you know uh, client activities mm -hmm. on or before, you know, uh, that you know decarbonization, you know, uh, announcement by the government. We're kind of a uh, that, that continue uh, that, 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 you know, strategic discussion with Japanese clients, but obviously 
you know, are the climate change or decarbonization, the frequency. But the even though you're still doing the same thing you've done, the nature of what you're doing is critically important for the planet at the same time because of the, the engagement with the, trend, with, the, with the depth of transition. Uh, I mean, that, that's what we believe, at least. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, again, we have, uh, you know, historical and extensive, you know, uh, relationships heavy industries, you know. And we feel that it's our mission to kind of uh, achieve this decarbonization together. Uh, and um, that's, and I, I feel that's kind of responsibility for, the, especially for the Mizzou, because of the, you know, our client base and our, our historical base. One of the two, the interesting things about Mizuho from the outside, it looks like you've managed to get top management engagement behind all of this, not just the CEO, but a variety of people. Is that fair to say? Because that's challenging in any bank. First of all, what, what is our mission? You know, every time this finance emission kind of agenda comes up, you know, always there is a kind of a, uh, the argument, maybe the uh, divestment could be one of the options, as possible. But we try to kind of make a, make a discipline on ourselves that we always have to go back to DNA, our DNA, that we are here to kind of, uh, we were here always to promote the, our, to establish the you know, industry together with the, you know, the industries. And uh, even in this time of the decarbonization or climate change agenda, we're gonna have to continue to do so. So again, you know, uh, in December, that we, you know, announced the, the statement that we will be, you know, uh, have a tighter control on the exposures to those, uh, you know, uh, high-risk area in terms of the, you know, CO2 intensities. Okay, so this is a filter internally. Okay. However, you know, we will exact we, we you know clearly you know, stated that. We will be having the. Uh, we will enhance our ability to evaluate the high risk sectors. But once we deem that the transition, you know, business plan is appropriate, we will continue to support as a financial institution, even that uh, result. <coughs> you know, the increase in increase our exposure to that, you know, high-risk areas. So that's kind of our commitment. Which is in the, uh, on the basis that they will change quite quickly exactly. and it'll improve the overall emissions profile as we go exactly. forward. That's the, exactly what we announced because we believe that's eventually, you know, uh, supporting that kind of high-risk area, uh, clients in the high-risk area, will eventually lead to the decarbonization of the industry as a whole, in turn, of the miserable as a whole. So you're moving to become a supporter of transition plans for your clients, and in fact, a promoter of transition plans with your clients as a result of this. Right. You're becoming an activist. I realize well, you've always a, been an activist so as a bank. Again, it's not a supporter, it's, it's kind of partner. We, we're gonna have partner, to achieve okay. together. Right? Okay. Because, you know, we, we have a responsibility. Yep. Uh, we, we were the part of the, you know, uh, the industry who made the industry as of now. So if the industry, you know, have to change, we're going to have to be there and, you know, take our responsibility accordingly.
It's a good line. It's about all of us changing. It's not about them. It's, I have to ask you, what have been the barriers to getting to this point? Have there been challenges internally that other banks can learn from? Well, I'm not sure whether you know they can learn from us. <laughs> we want to learn from them. But uh, again, we in the past 12 months, I think we really discussed internally a lot about our DNA, right? So what is our responsibility in this kind of situations? Well, one of the outcome is, again, the, you know, our announcement in December that we will be you know, uh, supporting as a financial institution on this high-risk area, even if our exposure increases. In turn up to be our scope three will increase. Because again, you know, we believe that will eventually lead to the decarbonization of the industry as a whole. So we have a really kind of serious discussion on a management level to kind of, uh, you know, have a consensus. What is our DNA? What is the responsibility? It's a very high level discussion. And we feel that was really important kind of a step process internally. We've got to be careful to say it's exciting because it's grueling as well. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. Um, and you've got to a stage, it would seem, where you've got a surprising amount of take up from your clients. That's a reasonable thing to say, right? That's the, you know, we are just kind of, a, it's kind of our journey just started, right? Again, real transition activity in real term, really kind of, a, you know, really material in maybe next 10 years or 20 years. Okay, so the difficulty we have ahead of us now is that unfortunately we've got seven years to reach our key target, Sure, getting reduction. Sure. So speed is of the essence mm -hmm. and that, that's difficult for industry sure. Sure. to move. Sure. But we, we have some CapEx mm -hmm. um, moments in history coming up, mm -hmm. like 75% of all steel plants mm -hmm. in Japan are up for refurbishment mm -hmm. in the next, few, uh, by 2030. Right. Like it's a big chunk, right. so and there are some difficult capex decisions. Do we refurbish them with gas? Do we refurbish them with hydrogen? Or do we shift the commodities production of steel pellets to places where the hydrogen is mm -hmm. and focus on value added? Without going into the details, of this are your steel clients that far advanced or the early days? Because you mentioned you're on this journey. I'm curious to know how quickly industry is dealing with these questions because we're all worried about how quickly we can move to be mm -hmm. able to meet our targets. Mm -hmm. Well, for instance, like the steel sectors, it's not only the steel sectors relevant to other industries. You know, the challenge they're facing is not only the decarbonizations, right? You know, all there's all other sort of, you know, uh, challenges caused by, let's say, Mega trend, maybe the you know decarbonization, environmental issue could be a mega trend. And shift the global economies. Excuse me, shift the you know allies in the uh, other you know emerging you know uh, the markets, <coughs> decreasing you know, uh, the population and so on. If thinking of still you know uh, the sectors, obviously we cannot really expect you know uh, the growth in the demand in the domestic market. We are setting the significant portion of that steel to the Asian you know, market, 
But again, there's uh, obviously that, you know, uh, oversupply situation in China, and still, you know, newly established steel mill is underway in India and so on. Apart from decarbonization, you know, uh, fundamentally, you know, uh, to kind of establish a growth strategy, regardless of decarbonization, is, you know, one of the, you know, challenges of the steel, you know, the sector as well. And that's kind of relevant to other, you know, uh, the heavy industries and so on. Uh, and we being, you know, having that extensive discussion, you know, overall on what is a growth strategy. Uh, and that, you know, it just the decarbonization has been added as one of the elements when you consider the growth strategy for the each sector or the each companies. What's next? In, your, in this process that? at Mizuho? <laughs> Our challenge is, again, we are committed to, you know, our responsibility in the, uh, this transition activities. The, our challenge is to how to evaluate what is appropriate, you know, transition, you know, business plan. That is tough, yep. And I believe that is the challenge, not only for the financial institution, but the global as a form. Now, especially for the finance perspective, now if you're lending the long term, obviously, you're gonna have to you know, uh, make a judgment to some extent whether the business plan is appropriate. Now again, you know, um, there's a lot of uncertainty there. The roadmap, they uh, basically you know, are thinking about the technology improvement, mm -hmm. but we're going to have to learn anyway. So, how to enhance our ability to, you know, judge which transition business plan is appropriate and which one is not? That's the kind of ongoing, co you know, process, and uh, we will have to work hard on going forward. Well. As you know, it's one of the things we're working on too. We, we hope we get a chance to work with you on all of that and share knowledge and, um, and develop a, you know, a robust global approach, which is transferable, mm -hmm. especially given you're so important and so strong in so many markets, in terms of your, your clients, whether in, in ASEAN, in South Asia, or in the UK for that matter. Um, so let's see on that one. I'm curious about you personally. You, you know a lot about climate change because you've been, oh, in just in the conversations we've had, it's clear. How, how hopeful of you about practically stepping back as an independent citizen about making this change now as you step up from the day-to-day -day task of trying to drive these changes and work of your clients to see changes? What's your level of hope? Are you at 20% or 60%? The first of all, you know, our uh, official comment going to be that we are committed to achieve 2050, you know, net zero or carbon neutral for sure, right? I, I speak to our clients very frequently, you know, by myself, right? I, I just had a similar discussion with one of my, you know, clients this afternoon as well. You know, I clearly see the change in the momentum. Again. Uh, in the past, especially in the past two years, after the you know announcement of forty six percent you know uh, statement, 
you know, uh, introduce introduction of the uh, transition finance framework. Now, the most of the you know major you know players uh, now you know move forward to actually you know make an action for the the transitional business plan, making you know actual investment that has been starting. So I see you know a change in the momentum. And I see that you know uh, the action related to it, so, and uh, I'm not going to be optimistic, but I think we are moving forward. So again, uh, I guess my challenge is how we can accelerate, you know, our activity to you know um, take our responsibility as a financial institution in this industry, especially taking account, you know, our background and how to, you know, uh, utilize, you know, our capability or experience that we've been here for more than 100 years, you know, promoting or establishing industry together. And I think that's the one of the things personally that I would like to, you know, uh, achieve the most. Shinichi, it's been a pleasure, I have to say. No, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. You know, I just want to say to our listeners, the key point to remind you here is the extent to which you're saying we have to engage, we have to work together. Right. It's not about saying we're going to walk away. It's about how we transition, everyone. And a question which I, I, want, I would like to see every bank in the world ask, how can we accelerate? <laughs> because we need to accelerate. We don't know how to do it. The truth is, this has never been done before. This exactly. is this is historically unprecedented. Right. And yes, we need to accelerate. We need to work it out and learn as we go. So, um, very exciting. It is very much for me a story of hope. Mm-hmm.